0: 1625. This is the business of, sports. business of sports from the Economic Times.
1: If you look at you know Indian sport, the history of Indian sport very easily. Like two thousand, the last big inflection point in Indian sport was two thousand eight. Two things happened. One was, of course, the IPL starting, but the other was also the gold medal, the Vina Bintra gold medal. Obviously I've been uh, focused during the competition, so I'm pretty exhausted at the moment. Uh, I did a good job, I think, and I'm happy at the outcome. In India, we have a lot of talent in this country. We have a great base, and if we nurture that talent well, it's only going to grow, and the shooting has had a phenomenal rise over the last few years, and I am quite confident that that rise is going to continue and go further. Avina Pinza's gold medal started off this whole set of organizations saying, how can we make medals from India? So today's Go Sport Foundation, JSW, the Adani's, uh, the Government Stop Scheme, all of these started from that 2008 medal and saying that, no, how do we now focus on? And which is why India now is very good at preparing elite athletes.
0: That is a quote from Joy Bharacharya, veteran of the sports industry and a guest on our previous episode speaking about the major inflection point in India's sporting history. And who better to weigh in on not only that moment, but the ripple effect it has had on Indian sport than the man himself. Abhinav Bindra, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So, I guess just to start it, when you hear something like that, and I'm sure you've heard it many times over the years, that it was such a huge turning point in Indian sport. And now that if we had time to reflect over it for the past 15 years, did you ever feel like that was perhaps a burden rather than an honor in a lot of ways? That you are now the torchbearer at pushing forward that Indian Olympic movement and the Indian sports movement as a whole?
1: Frankly, not thought, in, thought about it so deeply as you have very precisely put this all together. I retired from my sports career in 2016. Uh, and now that I look back at my sports career, firstly, on a personal level, let me start with that. I've exited my investment of sorts and I look back at these 20-odd years in sport much much more dispassionately now. I look back at this career at not this inflection point or this gold medal that I won or the several medals that hang on a wall in my house. I look back at the 20-odd years in sport, at what sport did to me as a person, what sport uh, taught me, the relationships uh, I was able to build through sport. Starting with my mum and my dad, the relationships that I was able to build with my coaches, the relationships I was able to build with competitors. And basically what sport taught me, it taught me a thing or two about winning, but more, most importantly, sport taught me how to lose. Sport taught me a lot about respect, about learning to respect rules, but most importantly, it taught me of course, about respecting uh, competitors, and respecting, you know, your coaches, etc. But most importantly, sport was a way where I was able to find my own self-respect. And that to me was um, that when I look back at those many years in my sports career, I will always be very, very grateful for the opportunity that I had to be able to play and pursue my sport, and which ended up being a lifelong journey of learning which has put me in a good stead uh, to play the larger game, the larger game of life. So on a personal level, that is what I look back at. I don't look back at those medals. I don't look back at those victories or losses. But really what sport did to me as a person. Of course, uh, sport has also has another impact and an impact on society as well. And yes, of course, many people have told me that 2008 was an important point uh, in our sports history, and perhaps it is correct. Yes, there were organizations set up after 2008. But I think most importantly, 2008 was a time in our history where governments started taking sport much more seriously. You know, the amount of spending that governments can do, no organization will ever be able to match that. And just the prioritization of sport, what we've seen over the last decade or even more, has been heartening to see. There is a way where we would be... a sporting nation when we win several medals at the olympic games or we have global sporting success but that is really just one part of what sport can do to society
0: i think very interesting point you're talking about how sport can shape you as a person and i know that when i was doing my coaching badges in in football one of the key things to come out of it is yes you can teach um the skills on the field, you can teach them certain transitions and certain formations and all of that stuff. But actually, the stuff that it teaches you about life is something that you can never get in any other kind of classroom or school because the camaraderie, the brotherhood or looking out for other people. I remember an interview with Sunil Chetri as well a while ago, he says, you can look at two kids. And and just interacting with them after a few minutes, you'll understand immediately which kid is the one who plays sport and which doesn't. And it's got nothing to do with physical attributes or anything, but just the way they carry themselves, the way they sort of interact with everyone. So is that something you also found with what sports gave you to shape you as a person as well?
1: That is the real power of sport. The real power of sport doesn't lie in us winning medals. That is the surface level. What really matters is how sport can make us a sporting community how sport can make us a community which are sporting in nature, where we are able to take losses and victory. We are able to have that teamwork, where we are able to have camaraderie, where we are inclusive in nature, where we are able to follow rules. I mean, that is something we struggle still in India to to, to make people follow basic rules. And, you know, sport teaches you those values at a very, very young age on another level. You know, we are after economic success uh, as a nation, right? I mean, we are on that path as well. And it is very interesting to see if you look at all global economic superpowers. They also happen to be sporting superpowers. And I believe that they've become economic superpowers because sport has had a very meaningful and important role to play in that society, in the values that these kids were able to imbibe while they were young children more and more young people are watching sport, more and more young people are playing sport more than ever in our history. And if we only think of sport in the dynamic of winning medals, Mm. it's a very slippery slope that you'll be trying to climb because that does nothing. Okay, it makes people happy, it makes you proud, but what does it do to the average Joe? We're not the healthiest country. We're close to being called the diabetic capital of the world on the mental health index. We are not the happiest country in the world. And sport can play a very meaningful roles to also address these issues. But if you look at sport from just a silo of performance, and if you look at sport from just a very narrow perspective, it'll do nothing. And it will not even help you perform. It will not help you achieve those ambitions as well. Because for us to achieve our true potential of winning what, a hundred medals at the Olympic Games in an edition. One at one edition. You also require many people to play sport. You know we are often talked about 1.3 billion people and what seven medals at Tokyo. But also let's talk about how many of the 1.3 billion people actually play sport. Mm. How many of those 1.3 billion actually play league sport? It'll be a very very small number. And if you compare that number. Seven medals is not too bad. What we really need to do is see sport in a larger perspective. And when that happens, you'll have more people playing recreational sport. You'll have families become more sporting in nature. That will also result in more and more young people playing sport at an elite level.
0: I don't think you'll find two bigger champions of that philosophy than Karan and I, because every opportunity we get to play any kind of sport or be on a field, and we know the immense benefits for our well-being whether it's mental physical whatever it may be yet neither of us are winning any medals anytime soon please speak for yourself <laughs> no, but- i mean i won a medal but
1: it didn't do much for me on a personal level apart from being <laughs> invited on a podcast and so you would have never
2: invited but the podcast. both of us
0: <laughs> the, the the highlight of your career so far <laughs>
2: No but Abhinav like you rightly pointed out I think one of the biggest mistakes we make as as larger society all performance indicators are just purely those medals right and then we kind of disappoint ourselves because the approach is completely wrong when we use that as the final and only objective exclusively and uh, the larger I mean when Sorry
1: sorry to interrupt but I please. just have to because you use a very important word and that is disappointment and we do we, we do get disappointed because we are very driven by outcomes. Our yeah. uh, happiness is dependent on uh, a, a certain outcome. But the true essence of playing sport is having joy and effort absolutely. Uh, in playing sport just for the sheer joy of playing sport, you know you love sport, both of you love sport and that's why you play it at any opportunity that you get. You said that you may not be winning or uh, getting a medal out of it, but you just love it. Uh, you love the sheer joy that you get in, in effort and that is another important value that society needs to imbibe to really savor the journey to savor the effort that is put in because you know i see young people so driven by outcomes which is great which is also important and you know there's nothing wrong in being ambitious but till the time you savor the day-to-day till the time you uh, just find joy in the day-to-day and find joy in the journey you're not going to be able to ever achieve your fullest potential.
2: think also we create so many leaders on sporting pitches right so when we start looking at it like that when you've got a million people playing sure we might only get 10 maybe 15 medals but you've got a million leaders that then go take these values and sort of cascade that out in society with everything they do in life which is where as a collective is where we start winning that's where your investment whether it's government whether it's private players I believe if we start looking at those victories is where I think they will start seeing ROI in in that investment
1: also at an elite level i mean when we are talking clearly on an elite on an elite level where you have athletes trying to you know win at the olympics or win at uh, or play elite sport it is also very important to create the right environment for them where they when by growing up in their development as athletes are also able to imbibe these values that we've been talking about for the last few minutes if you just create a toxic environment where you know uh, their self worth is uh, dependent on where their name appears on the ranking list of a sporting competition you're also going then creating a recipe for disaster it is also very very important also in organized sport to make sure that the environment that is created is a positive one is a psychologically safe environment an environment which savors and values all these different elements because you know g- going ahead we are going to have many more young people play sport and dedicate maybe uh, eight to ten years of their life, if not more, in trying to be the best that there can be. That number is certainly rising, right? I mean, there's more spend, there's more government programs, there are more private players coming in, as you said, but that what will that mean? That will also mean that more and more young people are going to fail in sport because that is the essence and the real dynamic of sport that there will be much more failure than there will be success in terms of an outcome. But you need to just ensure that you do this carefully. 10,000 athletes compete at an Olympic Games. Only 300 go back with gold medals. The rest, you, uh, they're not losers by any chance. They also learn a lot. In the, it's a way of learning for life. Very important to create the right environment. It's, it's,
0: it's critical. So speaking of creating the right environment, and that begs the question because you've been doing a lot and very active in in your post-retirement phase. And we'll talk about two of the institutes that you send up. One one of them, which is, of course, the Abhinav Bindra Foundation and then the Abhinav Bindra Targeting Performance Facility. Both very different in their approaches. But I would ask you, how much of a challenge is it then when you are trying to balance those two aspects of an athlete's development from the aspect of okay yes we need to focus on performance and outcome and all of those things because one of the things you do focus on is gaining that one percent competitive edge to really perform at the elite level as opposed to what you're saying to help them also shape society off the field so when you have a mission statement and your values how do you balance that out so maybe as
1: a, I'll answer it by maybe giving a little bit of an overview of the work we do in the foundation. As a starting point, we have three pillars of our work. The first pillar is intervention. We have about 80 or to 90 athletes on our roster between the ages of 12 and 16, where we give a scholarship called STEAM. Science, Technology, Engineering, Analytics, and Medicine is, is incorporated into their training. And we bring in the best of class, the, the best technology, the best science and really try and build holistic athletes through the scholarship program. The second part of our work under intervention is a program called Sport for Her. It is a program dedicated to the female athlete, where we set up a platform where we give specific empowerment to foster girl participation, female participation in sport, but also really empower them through the course of their journey. They have very specific requirements, sometimes health issues, health-related things, and really trying to empower them. The third program under our pillar of intervention is called Sport for Life. We offer 100 free surgical interventions for athletes. And these are athletes, not elite athletes maybe, but maybe a a level lower. There are so many athletes across the country who get injured. And that, unfortunately, is the end of their career. Not just uh, the surgery, we look after their post-care, the rehab element, but also taking them and giving them psychological help. The second pillar of our work is education, where we have a sports science and medicine research institute, uh, where we started giving um, bachelor's and master's degrees in sports science and physiotherapy to start with. The second work under uh, education is leadership in sport, where we have a program in partnership with the University of Lussoborough. The third aspect of education is the aspect of athlete mental health an area that I have personally been very involved with in my work in the International Olympic Committee, but we are bringing in a lot of resources, the, the best knowledge uh, to set the psychologically safe environments for athletes to participate in sport and compete in sport in this country. The third pillar of our work is using the power of sport for social good and for me, the most important element um, and the work that I'm most passionate about. Our current project is bringing the Olympic value education program into India. Our current project is being run in a hundred odd schools in year one in in Bhuvaneshwar and Rorkela. There are about 35,000 kids under this program where kids are playing sport for exactly the reasons which I described earlier in this podcast to imbibe sporting values. They play sport, then they reflect on what they've done and imbibe all these values. Olympic values, friendship, respect, and excellence are the core, it's a core theme of the program. But all these values have several subsets of teamwork, of gender equality, of inclusivity, of honesty, of integrity, of finding joy and effort. All what we spoke about is what these kids are really imbibing through sport. We have several heartwarming stories to, uh, coming out of this program because um, you know it is exactly what sport should do to people. I'll give you one small anecdotal example, which we didn't really realized that it would have such an impact was on gender equality. Out of these 35,000 kids playing under this program in Orissa, we have about 16,000 odd girls playing sport. Many of them who experienced sport for the first time in their lives, because in the past they were just too scared, didn't have the confidence to go and play sport during their PE classes. But because how the sport, the, the program is structured, sport is played as a mixed gender event. So even if they have to play football, uh the rules of the game would be changed, A. Number one, it would be a mixed team. And B, there would only be a goal scored when there would be girl participation in the role in, in, in achieving that goal. So the girls will have to be given passes and they would have to have to uh, play um, an important role in that. What has that done in this particular case study? The area of respect. The girls are being respected much more by the boys. Uh because when they start on the field of play, they all start as equals. And that is something again very, very unique to sport. What has that done to the girls? It has enhanced confidence in, in, in a way which was completely unexpected. The third outcome out of this particular case study, probably the most heartwarming one, is leadership. We recently had a tournament, an inter-school tournament in all these schools where uh, is, this program is running. And several schools had girls being leading the, the sports teams. And these are all mixed team events. And guess who appointed the girls as captains of these sports teams? The boys the boys <laughs> so i mean this is what sport can do to to society and this is of course it's we're doing it in a very humble way but i'm just talking about the potential that uh, there exists in, in in shaping society in a particular way uh, through sport we are happy that uh, the program started off well where we work hard at it on a day-to-day basis. The program will be scaled up in year two in Orissa, and we're also in talks with a few other states to start some uh, work in different parts of the country. So that is a little bit of an overview of the
2: foundation of what we do. Abhinav, I've got a, I've got a couple of questions on this. Now, to actually achieve any uh, impact out here, to get kids playing, you know, have the best-in-class support systems, whether that's coaches or technology or just the infrastructure, access to this infrastructure, and that takes a fair amount of resources. So, with With the Aaveena Vindra Foundation and the targeted performance side of things as well, how do these systems work? How does this model look? I know some of it is donation-based, but how does this, as a business model, how does it look? I'll come to the
1: ABTP centers in a minute and I'll probably deal with that separately because that is something for profit. But the foundation is really based on corporate donations that we receive, CSR donations that we uh, receive. It is a challenge. It is not so easy to raise funds through CSR as well, because I think out of all the corporate spend in CSR that happens in this country, I think only one to 2% is directed towards sport. And, you know, it's a very small number. And, you know, there are only a few amount of the target audience is pretty much the same, right? I mean, there are a certain amount of corporates who have sport in their mandate. But the very encouraging thing is that sport is being prioritized at every level. I think corporates see great value in sport. Again, I think much to do with the young demographic that we have. It's just being prioritized at every level. We're very lucky to have a certain amount of donors who help us uh, on a yearly basis uh, to help fund our programs. It is kind of challenging sometimes because all my programs are long term in nature, but it is very, again, heartening to see, you know, even Corporates evolving in many, in, in a certain way of getting a much better understanding of the performance aspect of sport. Of course, the, the programs such as the Olympic value education program, this, these are high impact projects because you're going to be able to have the possibility to transform several thousand lives. So anyhow, it's the, to cut the story short, we're dependent on corporate donations. I put in some money of my own as well on a yearly basis. Of what I earn, so part of my earnings are always pushed through the foundation. I commit a little bit to that. But generally the sustainability comes through a dedicated and group of donors who believe in the work that we do. The ABTP centers are, of course, the Abina Bins are targeting performance centers, which work on bringing in cutting-edge science and technology, not just to sports performance, but also to transitional healthcare. So the sustainability or the business sustainability of the venture really comes through the healthcare element of the ABTP centers where we work from. Some of our centers, for example, are based out of hospitals, where we look after the entire, we the have element of the entire hospital's requirements uh, and things like that. But each and every center, we have 15 of them now in the country. Each of them, uh, of course, will always have an element of sport and, and sport science and sport medicine. But the, the business economic sustainability is, is through the healthcare sector.
0: But uh, just coming back to the foundation, though, do you feel like that can somewhat stifle your ability to get really ambitious with it, in the sense that because you're dependent on corporate donations and CSR outreach, that there's only so much you can do within the confines of those budgetary constraints. And therefore, if you needed to scale, it would be something that you'd be a little bit wary of because you're not sure maybe where the next money influx would come from.
1: But that is the very nature of philanthropy. That is the very nature of a not-for-profit venture, where you know, you're know you not going to get people investing into it if there is no return on investment here. This is clear this is, philanthropy, what you're trying to do. But uh, I'm an athlete, and I'm an athlete conditioned to hope. So I remain very hopeful that there will be people who would believe in the cause. There will be people who will continue to believe in the power of sport. Sport always is something which... Uh, leaves people with a smile sport provides positivity sport provides hope on a day-to-day basis so i think sport will always have meaning and you'll always be able to
2: find like-minded people to to partner you in this journey you know, I've got a question on this front in terms of the overall landscape over and above all the work that you were doing with various organizations of your own. It's been organized, right? Like Chala alluded to, how 2008 was an inflection point in the, the space has got organized. Money, smart money has come in. So you've got the likes of GSW Group, you've got Tata's, you've got uh, organizations like Olympic Gold Quest. So within that, I would love to hear what you think of where things stand right now.
1: Sport is something which is always dynamic in nature. And the environment of sport in this country is also ever evolving and ever changing. So what was relevant maybe 15 years ago, it's, I think, currently not so relevant and becoming more and more redundant. Yeah. Whether it be, you know, 15 years ago, the role of an organization helping an elite athlete was immense, uh, because perhaps at that time, government support, government programs were not quite up to speed or did not provide for whatever it took for athletes to be the best that they can be but now the government does 98% of the funding of elite athletes so you know also all these organizations what we talked about also have to also continuously be dynamic in nature to remain relevant in the changing ecosystem and that doesn't mean that the work that everybody is doing is suddenly become irrelevant it continues to have relevance because we are such a large country it's it's just what i'm trying to say is the focus changes a little bit whether focus should change more at developing the entire ecosystem that surrounds the athlete. I think that is something that requires more attention in today's environment. You know, we need better quality of coaches, for example, at the base level. When young kids try and start playing sport, they need to have a good coach. And sometimes the availability of coaches is, is very, very limited or the availability of a high class, high, a good coach is limited. So perhaps given the changing environment of sport in the country, every organization will also have to continuously change, continuously adapt to that changing environment to have a meaningful impact in the current ecosystem. The same model what was started five years ago or 10 years or 15 years ago, perhaps is becoming redundant uh, slowly but surely, which is a great thing as well. That is an achievement for the country as well, because that would mean that uh, the system is getting more evolved. And at the end of the day, we'll only be able to succeed meet our aspirations or, or come close to um, meeting our aspirations when the system works, when you know the state system works, the organizations can do wonderful work, but they'll never be able to match up the work of what a government system does, right? Because their reach, their capability to impact is much, much more. And that's the, the wonderful thing to see is that that is slowly but surely becoming more mature. That is becoming more uh, uh, evolved. But that would mean that the private organizations will have to also continuously rethink uh, their strategy on how they can continue to have impact. They've had tremendous impact in the last 15 years. But if the same model going to have impact for the next 15 years, probably the answer is no. So because sport is dynamic, because environments are dynamic, I think every organization needs to continuously adapt. To the changing circumstances. And secondly, what I'd like to see is um, one thing what we've struggled in the last, in, the, in the, historically in our country is, you know, sport has always been developed in silos. And there's not been a coordinated team effort from across the board to develop sport. And I'd like to see, even between organizations, between private organizations, much more spirit of teamwork. Uh, and a much more collaboration that really there should be. Because at the end of the day, you know, this is for the larger national group. It's all everybody's working for, for the larger national interest. Nobody has ownership of the athletes. The athletes belong to this country. Not as a JSW, not as a Reliance, not, not as the ABF, not as uh, OGQ or XYZ. Nobody owns them. They are the Jews of this country. And I think if there is more collaboration if there is more partnership if there is more if that spirit is seen more i think we'll be able to just propel faster uh, towards our uh, ambitions
0: what you said was interesting earlier and i I don't think i was aware of that fact that you said up to 98 percent of an elite athlete now is covered by government i
1: would even go and say 99 percent
0: that was unheard of fifteen to twenty years ago, right? So the, I mean, what did it even look like back then? It was like every athlete for himself, almost, or herself, more or less. So how did that change happen?
1: I think it develops over a period of time. I think there are many reasons to it. I think number one reason is young demographic, where sport has become very important to them. Number two reason, the realization that. Sport can play such a meaningful impact in showcasing yourself as a soft power to the world. Uh, at the end of an Olympic cycle, if you have 100 medals or XYZ, you know it shows a soft power to the entire world. So it's a culmination of many things falling in place that has led to this. Having said that, I think there has never been a better time in sport in India than what we have today that doesn't mean that we've done everything and we don't need to continue to work and continue to improve of course there's a lot to achieve and a lot to improve on and a lot to build but i think the environment is far more welcoming and far more
2: conducive to uh, high performance it's a very obvious sort of question in terms of how important financial sustainability is right for all the organizations working in in cohesion because like you alluded to earlier, it's a—it's not a short-term gig. This is a 15, 20-year uh, gestation period. And then you start to see impact over time, whether in society, whether we're looking at your typical parameters of metals, stuff like that. This takes time. So are there any particular pearls of wisdom or areas that we need to focus on to create that financial sustainability for the JSWs, for the OGQs, the Reliances?
1: GSW needs to sell more steel in order to become more, to, to ensure continuous investment into sport Reliance needs to spend more to have geo working and needs to spend uh, have more success in oil I mean it's different for every organization I mean there are many organizations such as reliance GSw uh, Adani etc who are large organizations and are using a part of their spend of their corporate spending for the development of sport that is one model. Then you have other models and other organizations which are dependent on corporate donations to remain sustainable. So it's very different for different organizations. Yeah. So it's it's a combination. And I think everybody's model is a little bit different. Uh, an OGQ or a Go Sports or an ABF is more dependent on donations, right. uh, on partnerships and things like that. So I think each organization is different and each organization has to think of the aspect of sustainability differently, given what their projects are firstly, what is the impact they're trying to create, how they're going to remain relevant in the course of the next decade. There are many questions and it's impossible to give
0: a real answer. And finally, just to come full circle on how we started our conversation, what is your message to your charges, to your athletes, when they are developing themselves in a society where we put so much stock into coming first, into getting the gold medals. And it's almost like everyone who's come second, third, fourth, fifth is almost forgotten a few years later, is a little bit put by the wayside. What is that message that you would have for them to counter that?
1: I made the grave error in believing in an equation which was as follows, that a gold medal equates happiness. Each young athlete of this country should make happiness their gold medal and they will already be successful.
0: Brilliant. That's a lovely way to end the episode. Thank you so much, Abhinav, for joining us and taking the time. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks very much. Well, that's a wrap for this episode. We hope you enjoyed listening. And please do like, share and follow. The Business of Sports is now streaming on Amazon Music and GeoSavan, apart from Spotify, Apple and Google Podcasts. The Economic Times website And of course, E.T.'s very own audio platform, E.T. Play. A big shout-out to the team at Offspin Media Friends for their great work on the sound design and production of the show. And thanks to our producers, Vinay Joshi and the team at the Economic Times. Thanks for listening, and we will be back with a new episode at the same time every week.
2: All clips used in this episode belong to their respective owners. Credits mentioned in the description.